Welcome to the third and new series of the Dog Teachings Podcasts. In the first series, we talked through exercises intended to unify your three centers, mind, emotion, and body, leaving you with a calm, peaceful state and an alert sense of self. In the second series, we talked deeply about the rules and laws of world creation and world maintenance, explaining how a simple diatonic structure describes all phenomena in the universe and the inner world of a human being. We spoke about functional enneagrams, strivings, triads and forces, inner and outer octaves, why we fell asleep and how we can awaken, the ray of creation, the harmonic nature of the universe, oscillations, points of tension, octaves in every interval, and we even included a fairy tale that symbolized an inner journey of conscious evolution. We we ended the second series with the first two parts of a four-part exercise that caused people to objectively awaken, known as the objective exercise. An exercise that contained a great secret and a great truth, which allowed everyone who knew it, after learning the rules and laws that make this world so, to experience unity of being and to awaken to higher centers, to awaken to the seat of conscience, where thoughts cease and where truth is realized as a direct and knowing experience. We now take a departure from the in-depth discussions that have been drawn from Russell A. Smith's book, Gurdjieff Cosmic Secrets, The Teaching Guide, which is available for download on our website at thedogteachings.com. This third series includes narratives based on and around two books. Gurdjieff's masterpiece called All and Everything, otherwise known as Beelzebub's Tales to His Grandson, and Uspensky's lectures on the nature of humanity and how it may develop, called The Psychology of Man's Possible Evolution. After this, we will begin a new series with talks on simple common sense and the application of this work in life and what it can do for you. Today, we will share part one of a book Mr. Smith started to write called Beelzebub's Last Wish, a story about what happens to Hussein after the ending of Gurdjieff's book, All and Everything. Enjoy. Everything is relative. Silence permeated Hussein's inner world, for he already knew the contents of the etherogram that was being handed to him by a messenger who had obviously made great haste in bringing it. Beelzebub, his most beloved grandfather, was dead. Fortunately, Hussein had previously, consciously, prepared himself for this inauspicious event, knowing well beforehand of its inevitability. However, he was not at all prepared for the request that was attached, nor for the degree of exaltation bereavement that was about to be evoked in his being. The request read as follows. My dear Hussein, it is my final wish that my planetary remains be laid to rest in that solar system which served, for me, as the cathode beginning 
of all that I have accomplished in this universe, namely, that solar system, ours. And I further request that you, yourself, personally accompany them in order to choose a suitable location befitting the Zimus of my existence. It was signed by Beelzebub, and also bore the seal of the all-quarters maintainer, the most great Archangel Sakaki, which indicated that our most most holy endlessness himself was not only aware of such a request, but had fully sanctioned it. Then, in something that resembled a postscript, Beelzebub had added, I start over. Hussain's face went blank as he inwardly, simultaneously experienced the aforementioned state of exaltation bereavement and could neither rejoice from the genuine objective impulse that arises in a being when he essence recognizes the phenomenal accomplishment of another, nor cry from the greatest subjective impulse of self-losing. And the reason for the arousal in Hussain of these two sharply opposite being sensations stemmed from his realization that Beelzebub was not only physically dead, but that his higher being parts had transcended the limits of the universe. And such a transcending signified both the ultimate universal attainment and the greatest universal loss. Hussein was aware that such a possibility was possible, for when it recently unexpectedly occurred for the first time in the universe, it was Hussein who stepped forth to explain it. However, since it had occurred only once in the infinity of the universe, no one seriously considered that it would ever happen again, let alone that if it did happen again, that it would happen so soon. The first unexpected occurrence happened during a special luncheon gathering held in honor of the great all-quarters maintainer Arch-Cherub Helkgematios, who, long ago, had become the first being in the universe to merit the sacred anclad, that is, to attain the 18th gradation of reason, the degree of reason which was third after the reason of our endlessness, and which was everywhere believed to be the highest gradation of reason that any independent individual could attain. During this luncheon gathering, right after the customary accolades had been extolled upon Arch-Cherub Helkgamatios, Arch-Cherub Peshtvogna asked Helkgamatios this question. Having become, the first to become, all that you can possibly become, and now having, for so long, being all that you can possibly be, what next? The rest is legendary. The great arch-cherub Helkgamatios sat silently, appearing to be in a state of deep reflection. Then, looking in the direction of the Sun Absolute, and in a tone of surprised realization, he simply said, I start over. After which, he stood up and disappeared. Everyone was bewildered by what had happened, 
Even the great arch-chemist physicist Angel Luisos was unable to offer a plausible solution. That is, until Hussein came forward and suggested that the answer could be found within the laws of world creation and world maintenance in the duplicating principle. Hussein suggested that perhaps the duplicating principle was not only the founding principle of the universe, but also its ultimate possibility. Everyone knows that the way down is the way up, he said, referring to how the harmonic structure of descending forces become the requisite structure for ascending forces. Hussein also pointed out that the process of ascension occurs only if and when any three harmonically ratioed forces re-blend, and continues. He said, only for as long as the three forces remain in the harmonic ratio. However, he asked, what would happen if the three holy forces, which are capable of being held in harmonic ratio, were to be, intentionally, held at the same identical ratio? Why, the three holy forces would become one, exclaimed Archangel Luisos. And we all know that one is indistinguishable from one, he said. And yet, one and one become two. Therefore, if something becomes one with one, he added, then that which was one must now be two. It took only a moment for Archangel Luisos to understand the significance of his response. The oneness of God and the universe had been duplicated. In other words, the most sacred arch-cherub, Helkagomatios, through the process of becoming one, had, ultimately, fulfilled the duplicating principle and was now the endlessness of his own universe. What a glorious day that was, when the universe unexpectedly first duplicated itself. And now, through Beelzebub, the first being to merit the sacred anclad while still coated in a planetary body, the universe had done it again, this time leaving behind one last wish, a request from Beelzebub to his grandson. Of course, the sanctioning of Beelzebub's request by our endlessness was not only appropriate, but indeed necessary, because this aforementioned solar system, Oars, had recently, within the last year, according to objective time calculation, been declared off-limits by a specially prepared panel of sacred advisers, whose sole responsibility it was to foresee all cosmic calamities that may occur concerning the unfavorable contact with any of the three-brained being species that have arisen in the universe. These sacred advisers had deduced that the three-brained being species breeding on the planet Earth, which is, of course, a part of the solar system Oars, had recently acquired the ability to detect the movements of all interplanetary spaceships entering their solar system, and also to even detect those ships which fell in close proximity. And, well knowing that these peculiar three-brained beings could not, as of yet, objectively perceive the sense of their own existence, could therefore not be counted upon to fathom, even subjectively, 
the possibility of the existence of other beings. Nonetheless, Beelzebub's last request had been made and sanctioned, and it was now Hussein's obligation to fulfill it. Hussein wasted no time in making arrangements. He cleared his schedule indeterminately, then laid course for his home planet. Upon arrival, he was immediately informed that several of the most learned beings had already begun to ascertain how this covert operation on which Hussein was about to embark might be accomplished. He was hurriedly ushered into the great hall, the hall where all decisions of importance were customarily made, only to find the participants in a much heated debate. It cannot be done exclaimed the chief common universal archchemist physicist Angel Lewisos. According to my calculations, we will, undoubtedly, be detected. I concur, your reverence, said archengineer Archangel Algamatant, as the others nodded in agreement. Why such a request was ever sanctioned by our endlessness is beyond reason, Lewisos muttered. Maybe not declared Hussein, as he entered the great hall. Perhaps, if we vary our line of falling at different points along the way, we might be able to keep the main star of that solar system always between us and the third planet. This should not only conceal our approach, but our presence as well. Provided, of course, we do not have to make a sojourn to the third planet itself, in which case other measures will have to be formulated. The gathered assembly was stunned by Hussein's remarks and looked to Archangel Lewisos for confutation. Lewisos placed his right hand upon his chin and stared off into the distance. Then, while slightly nodding his head, he uttered to himself in a barely perceptible voice, That just might work. A few minutes passed before Lewisos regained the presence of the moment, after which, in an attempt to satisfy the expectations of his colleagues, he addressed Hussein in an authoritative tone. How is it possible that you, Hussein, a young man, could conceive such a simple answer to what appeared to us to be such a difficult problem? Hussein paused for a moment, then... With a puzzled look on his face, he replied, as if under an obvious assumption, How could it be possible for a young man who has greatly benefited from the wisdom of his predecessors to not? Lewisos began to laugh. Ah, Hussein, he said, by the laws of the stars and with the tact and wisdom of your grandfather, you have bested us once again. Lewisos arose and fondly embraced Hussein. Now, he said, tell us of your calculations. We may not be young men, but we are still capable of learning. Everyone listened attentively, as Hussein described his first visit to the holy planet Purgatory, recounting what his grandfather had told him about the moment of creation, and about the ensuing configuration of the two fundamental laws, the laws of Heptaparaparshanok and Triamazicamno. He then quoted, precisely, the instructions given to him by his grandfather, instructions 
that had served for Hussein as the motivating force behind his investigations into the laws of world creation and world maintenance. Try very hard to understand everything that will relate to both these fundamental cosmic sacred laws, since knowledge of these sacred laws, particularly knowledge relating to the particularities of the sacred Heptaparaparshanok, will help you in the future to understand very easily and very well all the second grade and third grade laws of world creation and world existence. Likewise, an all-round awareness of everything concerning these sacred laws also conduces, in general, to this, that three-brained beings, irrespective of the form of their exterior coating, by becoming capable in the presence of all cosmic factors not depending on them and arising round about them, both the personally favourable as well as the unfavourable, of pondering on the sense of existence, acquire data for the elucidation and reconciliation in themselves of that what is called individual collision, which often arises in general in three-brained beings from the contradiction between the concrete results flowing from the processes of all the cosmic laws and the results presupposed and even quite surely expected by their what is called sane logic, and thus correctly evaluating the essential significance of their own presence, they become capable of becoming aware of the genuine corresponding place for themselves in these common cosmic actualizations. You see, everything is relative, remarked Hussain. If you know the beginning, you know the ending, and all that comes between. The hours passed as he continued to define the various second-grade and third-grade common cosmic laws that came into being. It became evident to everyone present that underlying what appeared to be a chaotic creation, there was a remarkably simple structure, and that how, by knowing this structure, it was indeed possible to calculate an undetectable falling toward the solar system ores. As Hussein expounded on different facets of the structure, Lewis's subordinates checked and rechecked Hussein's calculations. One by one, they each began to nod at the accuracy of his computations. When Hussein had finally finished, Lewisos commented in a voice that was mixed with gratitude and concern. My dear Hussein, he said, based on what you have exposed here today, it is evident that we will have to rethink everything we always assumed we knew. Lewisos paused and once again stared off into the distance. Everyone sensed that he was reflecting on some errant calculations from the past. Then, with a sigh, he looked directly at Hussain and began to speak. If we would have previously deduced what you have so simply defined, that is, prior to the occurrence of that cosmic calamity, which was responsible for the disastrous results to those three-brained beings which arose on the planet Earth and had taken into account the law-conformable simplicities that are inherently produced within the matrix of the laws of world creation and world maintenance, we would have been able to foresee 
the maleficent consequences of our actions, and thereby could have averted what has now become an embarrassment for all of the universe. So, now knowing, I must, with great haste, pass this information on to our endlessness, for until today I was not able to perceive any means of ever undoing that which had been done. But now, for the first time, there is, in my being, a real genuine hope that with which had been put awry might possibly be put aright. With these words, and a nod to Hussein of genuine being thankfulness, Archangel Lewisos immediately departed. During Lewisos's absence, preparations for the journey were conducted under the watchful eye of arch-engineer Algamatant. He checked and double-checked everything. The only interruption occurred when everyone attended the sacred ceremony conducted after a being had passed from the physical world into the spiritual world. Thousands came, arriving from all over the universe. It was a most unusual event, as everyone seemed to experience the simultaneous inner being state of genuine exaltation bereavement from the transcendence loss of Beelzebub. As the ceremony came to an end, Hussein was informed that Archangel Lewisos, accompanied by the most great Archangel Sakaki, had returned in time to attend the ceremony, and were now on their way to the Great Hall, where they wished to see Hussein on a matter of utmost importance. After Hussein had arrived, the most great Sakaki was the first to speak. Hussein, he said, I am here, imparted by the will of our endlessness, who was, as am I also, extremely impressed with your extrapolations on the laws of world creation and world maintenance, to ask if you, during your sojourn to fulfill your grandfather's request, might also consent to fulfill a special request from our endlessness. Hussein was stunned. The six flowings of associations that normally manifest continuously, always in all responsible three-brained beings, had ceased. And in the silence of this void, there then arose, in the entirety of Hussein's being, one permeating thought. What special request from our endlessness could I, even remotely, be qualified to fulfill? Perhaps you would like the honour of answering Hussein's question, said Archangel Sakaki, understandingly, compassionately, to Archangel Lewisos. Hearing these words, Hussein quickly became unabsorbed by his thought, for he suddenly remembered, Archangels can know what you think. And with that thought came a slight feeling of embarrassment, and then... There was the thought of them knowing of his embarrassment, followed by, of course, the thought of knowing that they knew that he knew, whereupon Hussein submitted, and, with a gesture to Archangel Sakaki, which signified that he was returning to an all-centers receptive state, he inwardly, silently, patiently, awaited Archangel Lewis's response. It is the special request of our endlessness, began Archangel Lewisos, 
Ledieu, Hussein, should make sojourn to the third planet of the solar system Oars, and there, equipped with your knowledge of the laws of world creation and world maintenance, help the beings there to understand them, in hopes that, how did you say your grandfather put it? Ah yes, in hopes that they become capable of becoming aware of the genuine corresponding place for themselves in these common cosmic actualizations. Hussein took a deep breath before responding. I am most honored to be considered worthy by our endlessness, and I will certainly make great effort to fulfill his request. However, how is it that I, a physical being of such limited knowledge, should even possibly be considered by our endlessness over angels or archangels? It is your comprehension of the laws, remarked Archangel Sakaki, and besides, it requires someone who can coexist with the beings there. Therefore, even if we shared your understanding, we could not make the sojourn. My comprehension of the laws, Hussein said inquisitively. Yes, said Archangel Luasos. You, Hussein, are the most qualified. Me, most qualified, queried Hussein. All I did was study the downward flow of the diatonic forces in order to ascertain a way to climb back up. In fact, what I did, anybody can do. Precisely, said Archangel Sakaki. Even, maybe, those three-brained beings breeding on the planet Earth. Yes, yes, interrupted Archangel Luisos. Even, maybe, those three-brained beings, he repeated. Archangel Sakaki smiled at Luisos's enthusiasm, and then continued to speak. Our endlessness gave it considerable thought, reminding us that the previous messengers, the messengers of faith, love, and hope, had all been unsuccessful. Archangel Sakaki bowed his head and became silent for a moment. Then, looking up at Hussein, he said with confidence, our endlessness has decided that instead of sending another messenger equipped with one of the sacred impulses, perhaps, this time, we should send a messenger equipped with nothing other than a set of rules. Yes, yes, a rule book, asserted Archangel Luisos. And how shall I prepare for this task? asked Hussein. Have the beings on the third planet changed since the sojourns of my grandfather? If so, what are they like now? We do not know any of these answers, replied Archangel Sakaki. When the beings on the third planet began sending out probes, the Martian colonies were forced to leave, that is, after they eliminated all traces of their existence. So, we have no recent reports of any of their goings-on. Perhaps you should first go to Saturn, suggested Archangel Luisos. I understand that the governor there has developed a very sensitive listening device. Possibly, said Hussein, as he continued to verbalize his thoughts, I had already considered making Saturn my first stop,
But even if I am successful at attaining some useful information, there is still the problem of making an undetectable sojourn to the third planet. Archangel Luasos has conceived a solution for making your approach undetectable, declared Archangel Sakaki. But your departure is still in doubt. As for your approach, I shall let Archangel Luasos explain. Yes, yes, your approach, responded Archangel Luasos. I have given it much thought and believe the answer is meteors. Meteors? Hussein questioningly thought to himself. Yes, meteors, said Luisos confidently, as Hussein, who was again caught off guard, looked up at him in surprise. They will never suspect that, Luisos added. Then, noticing the look of bewilderment that was etched on Hussein's face, the venerable archangel compassionately proceeded to explain to Hussein that during his consultation with our endlessness, this question of how to make an undetectable sojourn to the planet Earth had been thoroughly discussed, and how our endlessness himself had suggested the possibility of modifying one of Archangel Hariton's newly designed escape pods that were currently being manufactured for use in all interplanetary ships. When our endlessness informed us, continued Archangel Lewisos, about the significance of this most recent discovery of Archangel Hariton, that is, that these newly designed escape pods, which are similar to the present-day escape pods, were now being constructed with an additional outer layer of impartialom, a very rare residue matrix, given off during the fusing of all the previously gathered materials which customarily surround every first-order concentration, as these materials pass beyond its event horizon and enter forever into it, and how the coating of an escape pod with an outer layer of impartialom would ensure that, no matter how great the impact from the outside, nothing would ever get jostled on the inside. It was there and then that I first thought of meteors, remarked Lewisos. I immediately informed our endlessness how we could put a single being escape pod inside a small meteor and send it off, along with other small meteors, on a collision course with the planet Earth. It will be of little consequence if the meteors are detected by the beings there, I told him. That is, since the beings there should perceive no real threat from these small incoming fragments, especially if we calculate their line of falling to make impact in some desolate or isolated area. Needless to say, our endlessness was very pleased indeed, and thereby has already authorized the construction of a special single-being escape pod meteor. The only difficulty that still remains, which was of great concern to him, is discovering a way to get you home. Before Lewisos could say more, Hussein blurted out, Get me home? And what happens if you cannot discover a way to get me home? Then you are home, until we find a way, responded Lewisos, as he addressed Hussein with a look of both apprehension and reassurement. Hussein gazed at Archangel Lewisos, then at Archangel Sakaki. Finally, 
he turned toward the Holy Son Absolute and, after taking a deep breath, nodded his head to signify that he understood the personal risks involved. Hussein had many questions for Archangel Luisos, and while the two of them discussed the various details, Archangel Sakaki set course for the Holy Son Absolute to inform our endlessness of Hussein's consent. For the next several Dionosks, Hussein and Archangel Luisos became totally immersed in their discussions. They checked the calculations for making the adjustments in the proposed line of falling and went over every other possible contingency which Hussein might encounter. That should do it, said Luisos. Your ship is now ready and it is time for you to be on your way. My ship, carrying the meteors, will depart as soon as the construction of the special single-being escape pod meteor is finished. Hopefully, by then, your business on the planet Saturn will also be completed, after which you must leave the solar system in the same undetectable manner in which you entered. Once you are well beyond the third planet's range of detection, use your directional antennas to signal your position. We will adjust the course of our line of falling and rendezvous with you. Good luck, Hussein, and endlessness speed. Finally, the moment had come when there was only one thing left to say. And the captain of Hussein's ship said it. Engage. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the subjects and exercises we have been exploring, including the book and guide that underpins it all, which is also available for PDF download, you can do so by going to thedogteachings.com. That's T-H-E-D-O-G-T-E-A-C-H-I-N-G-S dot com. There, you will be able to obtain Mr. Smith's other diagrams, listen to other talks, as well as learn all the mathematics that supports them, and much, much more. But, most importantly, you will have real-time access to the material we are discussing. That's thedogteachings.com Goodbye. Until next time.